And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. It's October, and in the spirit of Halloween and all things spooky, we are focusing on horror films. Each week we'll pick a film and a subgenre of horror, like paranormal, monsters, psychological, or otherwise. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. It's Halloween's day. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I didn't even think go. of that one. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm good. I'm really, really good. You know, last week we did The Exorcist, and I, I wasn't really vibing on it. Neither were you. And, no. you know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. And ultimately, we didn't really like it very much <laughs> and i feel yeah. bad about that a movie that is beloved by so many horror fans and i'm just like yeah whatever skip to the end <laughs> can i get the tldr version of that please <laughs> right. Cl- cliff cliff notes father cliff notes please yeah. <laughs> holy shit man i was it was brutal and you know yeah. it's brutal like so we figured something out while while you were editing you're like man we barely even talk about the movie i'm like that's because <laughs> we fucking hated it <laughs> and that's that's one of the catches like you know we have some really fun discussions on this show but when they start to <laughs> to go away from the motion picture show um, and more just about everyday life and stories you know that we just kind of ran out of stuff to talk about and like i can appreciate that but that is uh you crack the formula as it were yeah it was a an hour and like 15 minute episode. And I think we talked about The Exorcist for maybe 20 of those minutes. Right. <laughs> 15 was the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> where, where we had revelations like, wait, what? That happened? I don't remember that happening. Like, I forgot about uh, Lieutenant whatever his name Dan. was. We'll call him Dan. We'll call him Dan. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, he Dan. was in this. He, it, it, Yeah, it did not resonate with me. I was not a fan of The Exorcist. I don't like it. Don't see it. Save your money. Don't go to the theaters and see it. Dang. Or do go to the theaters. It's, it's a it. rental. <laughs> it's a rental. There you go. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, I think you nailed it on the head when you said it was a generational thing. Yep. Like um, the people that uh, that like it, I, I respect you. I think that you're fantastic. It is just not my cup of tea. Not my not my flavored dirt water, as it were. Yeah. Let me let me just put it this way. My mom commented and was like, scariest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah, that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think oh. so. <laughs> no. Better believe it, Buster. Yeah. So anyway, on to bigger and better things. What have you been watching? So I'm actually doing our buddy Brett. He um, last year, he would always like Instagram or Snapchat me that he'd be watching a scary movie. And he did. I think he does it uh, one for every single day in October. So I thought about that and I was like, oh, yeah, I should do that, too. So I've been pretty good with it. Um, I have watched not in any particular order, but I've watched Paranormal Activity. uh, The first one I watched the third one for for some reason. I skipped the second. I watched the remake of Child's Play. Uh, I did not like it was pretty stupid. I watched The Cabin in the Woods, always a classic. Uh, This one's not a Halloween movie, but I watched This is the End uh, just on a whim. And that is a very funny movie. And then I watched. (laughs) Fuckers got to go. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's 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 pretty great. It's I haven't seen it in years, and I was I was dying. I was laughing. Then uh, I watched uh, the Frighteners with uh, Mr. Michael J. Fox, MJF. Yeah. That's, uh, That's Peter a, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was really interesting. And I was considering, I was like, oh man, this would be a fun one to talk about because I always thought of it as kind of a not so scary movie. But when I rewatched it the other day, I was like, dude, this is a dark movie. There's all the moda and everything. Moda, you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, Pete, man, he's in the, he's in the horror. Yeah, I know he likes it, but that's uh that's pretty much all I've been. That's all I watched. What about you? Dude, I had, I had a crazy weekend. I, Things things changed. Things didn't work out. <laughs> I had to stay home this weekend, and um, and in doing so, I had a Lord of the Rings marathon. We started with uh, Fellowship and Two Towers and Return of the King all on Saturday. That was a long day. It started at one o'clock too, so it was like easily almost one in the morning when it all ended because we do the extended editions. Oh, and yeah. then on Sunday after the Seahawks game, we did all three Hobbit films. Uh, also extended editions. So while I don't enjoy those nearly as much, um, I think Alex's enjoyment of them sort of uh, seeps into my comfort as well. <laughs> uh, so I'm starting to like them a little bit more. I'm opening up to them. But as someone that read the book, um, you know, it is fun to see all the different things that that weren't there, um, you know, turning something out of nothing, I guess. And, you know, there's that moment when they go to Mirkwood and, and Gandalf's like, hey, well, I'll see you guys later. I got to go take care of some shit. I think I left my door unlocked. <laughs> so he leaves for a little <laughs> while. And it's fun to see what he's up to uh, since you don't get any of that in the book. So, yeah. And then I watched Shazam last night. I, after watching The Hills Have Eyes, I needed a, a bit of a palate cleanse. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have this rule. Uh, you and I that we watch scary movies at nighttime and you know I'm watching it in the dark so it's all fun and I'm hearing noises my goddamn ice machine in the in the freezer just kept making chunky ice and it was driving me nuts and um it was always was it going, quiet was it going <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like gaga gaga kill the baby oh, oh. yeah don't be doing that and Ooh. so and then, and then Rizzo started howling at the moon last night. It was just one thing after another to just kind of give me that dirty vibe. And so I had needed a palate cleansing. And so I watched Shazam. I had never seen it before. Part of the, the DC film universe. And um, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, I was laughing and having a good time. And, and it was sort of a, a different vibe than the other DC movies. This one was a little bit more hopeful. Mm-hmm. So I, I dug it and I liked the yeah. cameo at the end and the final like three seconds of the movie. Yeah, that was really neat. Uh, I wonder if it was Cavill. Probably not. But that was I mean, that cool. body looked like a cow. <laughs> I've studied that build <laughs> quite a bit. Right before he sat down with his lunch, he cocked his arms. He's like, yeah. he reloaded his arms. <laughs> I could chisel those abs into Mount Rushmore right now based off of memory. <laughs> I do my laundry off those abs. Oh, Jeez. yeah, me too. <laughs> cool man sounds like a productive weekend i dig it yeah a lot of sitting a lot of a lot of lounging a lot of getting back and forth to the kitchen for some snacks but it was fun <laughs> who cares those are great times i love it yeah absolutely um so are you ready to talk about the hills have eyes oh always love this movie but yes absolutely yeah it's uh it's terrifying it came yes. out in 2006 <laughs> 
Uh, it was directed by Alexandra Aja. Or what is it Aja? I, I think know like Aja Vachman from... <laughs> From, I don't know. She, she goes by Asia Vachman, but yeah, let's we'll just say, say Asia. Alexander Asia, just to make it easier. Aja. Mm. <laughs> Faja. Faja means dead. Faja. Isn't that weird? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this man has directed High Tension, Piranha 3D, Crawl, which I just saw almost a year ago to the day, and uh, Horns and Mirrors. Ooh, I don't like mirrors. That's that's gross. With the kefir. Mr. Scary. DUI. Kiefer DUI Sutherland is in that movie. He doesn't follow the rules. A <laughs> Jack Bauer always going rogue. Anywho, the um, the film was originally written by Wes Craven. Of course, this is a remake, and it was written by Alexander Asia and Gregory Levasseur. And um, they did a bang up job on recreating this original nightmare. So, kudos to those guys. Uh, the cast stars Aaron Stanford, who is our buddy Pyro from the X Men movies. You have Emily DeRaven from Lost Fame, Dan Bird, Ted Levine, Kathleen Quinlan, Vanessa Shaw, Michael Bailey Smith, and Robert Joy and Billy Drago, who you've seen in 10,000 movies at least. The man's got a lot of credits. He's just mm-hmm. usually a bad guy and sees either on a TV show or a movie, and he's just got this sort of skeletor look to him and um he just really just one of those actors that's always been working i think he died like uh, the last year a couple months ago i forget Mm -hmm. i apologize but he has just been a a staple in the the villain community when it comes to movies and tv shows so when you know him when you see him you know him let's put it that way you might not know his name but you definitely have seen his work uh are you ready for critical reception always all right, this movie got a whopping 52% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there, Oof. which isn't terribly impressive. But uh, at the same time, I tend to like movies that are right there in the middle because that's either a love it or hate it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that. And so let's get in this. And and I think it's worth noting that a lot of these critics, uh, especially when it comes to horror movies, it's just not their jam. They're they're more the the Downton Abbey folk and uh, it doesn't translate well when you when they're forced to go see a horror movie. Yeah. Um, so, Mr. Richard Roper from Ebert and Roper, he says, it's just nasty, period. <laughs> I don't even know if he watched it all. It's Miss ja- <laughs> Jackson to you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, let's not no, let's deep dive into this one. Explore it a little bit. Yeah. Um, while I agree it is nasty, uh, it is, uh, there's a little bit more to it than that. So, uh, Ted Fry from the Seattle Times. It's up in your neck of the woods. A brilliantly reimagined version of Wes Craven's 1977 micro-budget horror classic. Agreed. There you go, Teddy. There you go, yeah. Teddy. What, what a review. Yeah. Teddy P. <laughs> 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 Close the door. All right. Mr. Roger Moore, James Bond reviewed this movie. That's fantastic. From the Orlando Sentinel. He says, these hills are more to be endured than enjoyed. Yes. So that's actually an interesting point because there's going to come a point in this movie where you're like, fuck, is this movie almost over? I can't take this shit no more. (laughs) So I don't know if it's really a, a movie that you enjoy so much as endure. And... I think that that's actually a pretty uh, clever observation because 
it's one of those ones where I think if you can stick it out, then it's rewarding and you'll be glad that you watched it. But it's hard to find joy in this movie. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Peter Hartlob from San Francisco Chronicle. He, the review just shows dot, 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 a blast. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Fill in the blanks. That's like sort of the yada, yada, yada. People died. It was great. Sorry, review. So there you go. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's do the one more bad one. All right. David Keyes from cinemafile.org.edu.net says, falls into the trap of delivering its relentless arsenal of painful images with almost sedated enthusiasm. The movie has no venom. I don't know about all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know what's interesting about the horror genre is a, a very rough crowd. There's people that really love horror movies and are almost like top hat and monocle style like where it's so elitist <laughs> in that they, they can't pick a good horror movie if their life depended on it because they're just so uppity that they find reboots insulting and uh-huh. then there's the other type of reviewer that's just like i don't watch horror movies i don't like horror movies i'll sit through it and i'll write about it but i'm just going to tell you everything that i hate about horror movies and why this movie sucks so i think this movie works really well with the casuals. Yeah. And I, and I think like our buddy, Stephen Alva Wood, and he's got a great podcast called uh, the horse squad. If you haven't seen it or sorry, seen it, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Uh, all of them are really great, but he's one that he'll watch so many different types and I'm sure he has his favorite. So I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he definitely is, is he, he toes that line between casual and, Oh, Suspiria is the best horror film ever. I, I don't like the remake of that and so on and so forth. I mean, he knows his shit, but he knows a good movie when he sees one too. And so like, right. I think this is like right up his alley. We, we could talk to him about any type of horror film and he'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell you about it. Like, oh, I didn't like that for this or, oh, I loved it for this. So right. Really and cool. he's also yeah. a man that has seen, you know, countless movies as well. Yeah, so like totally, he is a very credible source when it, if, if you were to say, Justin, get if you wanted to sit down and watch a movie, this is the one you should check out. I would say, you know what, Mr. Alva Wood, I'm going to take you up on that and I'm going to watch it because I respect your opinion. You've seen a lot of horror movies. You know the good, you know the bad, you know the the the, the popcorn ones, you know the, the train wrecks, and I just respect your opinion. So kudos to him for that. And um, I'm glad to hear that he actually likes this movie because I know that there are a lot of folks out there that just are automatic, just negative vibes as soon as you say it's a remake. Maybe they came all the way from Canada. Took a long time to get here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sip, sip, sip. That's so great. Um, So yeah, the budget was actually $15 million. Not too shabby. I think you can win that on a scratcher and uh, make a movie out of it. Opening weekend, it pulled in a whopping $15 million, 15.7 to be exact, and that was on March 12th, 2006. The film grossed $41 million here in the United States and got a worldwide gross of $70 million. That's, uh, that's not too shabby for a $15 million budget film. Yeah, very successful. That's why they made the highly anticipated slash not anticipated follow-up, The Hills Have Eyes 2 which was not good in my yeah, opinion. But. That was terrible. You know, I remember seeing the, ta- the teaser trailer for it, though, 
in the theater. And mm-hmm. as soon as I, I saw the desert, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. And then like you see like a guy walking, stepping over the camera and then pulling a chain of the body. I'm like, motherfucking hills have eyes. <laughs> I knew it immediately. Oh, the hills have even more eyes. Yeah. Pr- pretty eyes. Eh? Like one of them. <laughs> Like a spider with eight eyes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, fun facts real quick. Uh, the makeup artist, Greg Nicotero, you might know him most famously from The Walking Dead, but he's done a lot of other amazing stuff. Uh, he was featured as Cyst, which is a disgusting name, but that is the mutant with the halo headgear, the one that runs with a shotgun that gets his knee chopped up and then the axe in the back and dies that grisly death. He played Cyst, so that was really cool. I thought his makeup was awesome. Um, I'm sure he had a huge part in this, too. So that was great. The original film, the one Justin was talking about by Stephen King, was threatened with an X rating. Oh, according accordingly, the film was also threatened with a NC-17 rating, but it ended up getting an R. So and take that for what it's worth, because those times were slightly different in the 70s, where, I mean, you know, if you showed a, a girl's ankle, you get an X rating for your movie. So you got to be careful. See, but uh, yeah. And then uh, with with the Aaron Stanford character who he plays Doug, the filmmakers were looking for someone similar to Dustin Hoffman, uh, how he portrayed his character in the movie Straw Dogs, where Hoffman was an er, I'm sorry, ineffectual nerd who rises to heroism in the end and commits ghastly acts of violence. Stanford in the films also markedly physically resembles the film's director, Alexander Aja. Uh-huh. Faja means dad. <laughs> I hope we're not screwing it up. I should have researched it, but that's okay. But yeah, those Aja. are the fun facts. We'll call it Aja. Aja. Yeah, Aja. There you go. All right, synopsis. So amidst their 25th wedding anniversary, Bob and Ethel travel through the New Mexico desert on their way to San Diego, a whale's vagina. Along for the ride are our daughters Lynn and Brenda, son Bobby, son-in-law Doug, granddaughter Catherine, and two dogs, <laughs> Beauty and Beast. The family receive a, a tip about a shortcut from an eerie gas station attendant and decide to take it. To their dismay, something blows out their tires and the family crash into a rock. Stranded, Big Bob and Doug decide to walk for help in separate directions. Doug discovers an abandoned crater filled with old cars and pictures. Big Bob makes it back to the gas station only to find it abandoned. Back at the RV, the family make the best of their situation and enjoy their time together. After Beauty runs off, Bobby runs after her only to discover that she had been brutally attacked and gutted by some thing. Scared, Bobby is knocked unconscious after he falls off a cliff running away. Back at the station, Big Bob discovers the remains of a victim's ear inside of the attendant's possessions. Bob draws his gun to find the attendant holed up in the outhouse with a shotgun. After a stand down, the attendant shoots his face off while explaining that he is done, he is out. Big Bob is then stalked by the words daddy and eventually captured by some sort of mutant like creature. After some time, Brenda finds Bobby and the family tend to his wounds. Bobby refrains from telling them about beauty right before about beauty right before Doug shows up. As the family sleeps, they hear a blood curdling scream and see that Big Bob is crucified to a burning tree in the desert. Everyone except Brenda run to try to save Bob. Brenda is abducted and sexually assaulted by two mutants, Pluto and Lizard. As Lynn tries to save Brenda, she is also sexually assaulted by Lizard while holding the baby at gunpoint. Ethel gets killed attempting to intervene, and Lynn is shot in the face. These mutants take Catherine and run off into the night. Doug, Brenda, Bobby, and Beast formulate a plan to get Catherine back. Doug and Beast head through the desert and find an abandoned nuclear fallout town where the mutants now live. 
Doug is attacked and held prisoner by the mutants, but after escaping, Doug encounters Pluto in a ferocious battle. With the help of Beast, Doug is able to survive Pluto's onslaught and brutally kills him. Doug continues his reign of blood as he viciously kills another mutant on his way to find Catherine. Doug sees a child mutant, Ruby, running away with Catherine and change and chases her into the desert. Ruby, trying to protect her, uh, trying to protect her, offers Catherine to Doug. This is cut short as Lizard attacks Doug. The two fight and Doug kills Lizard while Ruby sacrifices herself in a last ditch heroic effort. Back at the trailer, Bobby and Brenda set up a booby trap before they encounter Jupiter. The two are able to lure him into the trailer as it explodes. After examining the wreckage, Brenda gets the final kill when she discovers Jupiter is still alive. The family see Doug walking back and they all embrace, thankful that the ordeal is over. As the camera pans out, we see that someone or something is actually watching them through a pair of binoculars. How safe are they really? There you go. And those are the hills. Those hills have them eyes. These Ow. eyes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's that should have been playing at the end of it. Not crying. That one. These eyes have seen a lot of love, but they're never gonna see another woman with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Justin, when did you first watch The Hills Have Eyes, this remake in 2006, and did it scare you? Yes, I saw it on opening day, March 12th, 2006. It was a dark and stormy night. Saw it at 9 p.m. in La Habra, California. And I remember the whole theater was freaking out and screaming all together at once. And it was awesome. And then when we left the theater, there was this huge crack of thunder and lightning. And everyone just screamed and ran to their car. <laughs> it was so great. Everyone was just so on edge. Oh, it was so funny. It was pouring rain. Like the kind that looks like you run from the store to your car. And it looks like you just got to have a swimming pool. Like the big old chubby Jesus. fat rain. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. And uh, it was just a, a fun night. And uh, holy shit, I'll never forget it. I I saw it also uh, pretty close to opening night. So around that time, March 2006. But yeah, it was a very fun experience. And that's one of the coolest things about horror. I mean, I love to be scared. And I love that's why I like watching horror films in the dark with the lights off, because I just I love that terrifying feeling. And in a theater, say what you want about the theater experience. But when you do watch a horror film with people who are engaged, it's it's really cool because, yeah, you get screams, you get kind of like everybody who would have a jump scare and then they, they all laugh together because they're like, oh, my God, what just happened sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot and it, it did terrify me when I first saw it. So, yeah, cool. There's a lot of horror movies that I've seen by myself in the theater, which is also like unnerving where you're just like <laughs> yeah. maybe you and one other asshole in the theater and you're just like, fuck, I hate what I'm watching right now. <laughs> I was that way with it, too. And uh, the Blair Witch sort of reboot that came out mm-hmm. in like 2016 or so. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I was just like, I really want this movie to be over right now. <laughs> <laughs> it too is like 18 hours long. Shit. Anyway, long it too was really long. I saw it at Cinerama. I liked it, but it was, yeah, it was long. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was okay. So, um, you know, despite being commercially successful based off of just the box office numbers, because it did like what 70 million or something, uh, which is pretty goddamn good. The reviews that you read were kind of overall pretty crummy. There was a, it was a grab bag, you know, like 50% or whatever it was, but there were some crummy ones in there. Why did you and I just love this movie so much? And a good majority of the viewers did not. Are we just like kind of twisted individuals? You and I, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I'm not a, I ain't as twisted as a barrel of snakes. I'm uh, 
I stand upright. Maybe a little hunch, but I ain't twisted. But I think for me and why I enjoyed it is just because of the the kind of sense of uh, a touch of reality that comes to it. You know, like I grew up in the desert and there's some strange and peculiar folk abroad. <laughs> and like, you're just like, man, I don't, I don't really want to go out today. It's kind of hot. And I'm telling you, man, there's something to Fury Road, man. Your brain just starts to cook and you don't think right. And, and you start to. I don't know. You see things in the desert <laughs> and something about this movie just resonates with me. You know, I, I don't care if, if you've ever, if you've ever ventured out into the desert and, or to a small town, there's always sort of that creepy uncle vibe where someone's watching you or maybe gets a little bit too close to you at a store or at a gas station. And it's just, it, it, it's off putting and you're, it's in a, you know, you're in this, you leave your comfort zone. And I think that's exactly what this movie does is it, it teleports me out of my comfort zone. Even though I'm in the safety of my own home, I'm looking over my shoulder. Every noise is elevated. I am just 100% uncomfortable. And and part of that is because I feel like this could happen to anyone. Sure, the whole idea of mutants in the desert is could be far-fetched, but at the same time, you're literally out in the middle of nowhere. You could sub in mutants for, for just crazy people, and it'd still be just as terrifying. So... I think that there's just that with the touch of reality and the the discomfort that comes with it, and and two people like us that just really enjoy being scared when watching a scary movie, I, I just think that all those things combined just really make for uh, a remarkable experience. Yeah, and there's something to be said about when horror films center around like a home, you know, your home is your safe haven. When you are scared, you run in and you run inside. And as soon as you can get like into your home, you know, you're going to be safe. And so this one takes the home and it makes it like the trailer, I guess with, with the entire family and you think you're going to be safe around them, but all this crazy shit happens. And just like that reviewer said, where it's kind of just this daunting film and it just seems to not drag on, but you're like, yeah, you're when will it end? Endure. Yeah. Yeah. You're just enduring. And and I think with this, I don't think it was like a long movie, really. I think it was just like, please stop killing people and please stop torturing. And oh man, yeah, the onslaught. So yeah, I think I think that's why I, I liked it a lot, was just because it had a high level of tension and it was just really, really visceral. Ugh. And there, I mean, there were definitely parts I didn't like, like the rape scene. I was not a fan of that was very, very hard to watch. Um, I think more so now because I am just hyper aware of any of that shit, but then seeing his, his whole retribution towards the end and them get their comeuppance and everything. I thought that that, that was really neat and in a cool way to, to play the movie out. But like you were saying too, with the music, it's so cool and oh, it really yeah. set the tone and it would just shift things. Like when he'd be trying to break out of the ice chest with all the bodies and it was just that. The hard riff. Yeah, that's pretty rad. And you just yeah. know that, that was just code for terrible. Yes. And, yes. And you know, you know, you say the rape scene and there's there's a lot going on in that scene. Oh, um, yeah. There's she's being attacked. Um the the father is being burned. Everyone's scared. Weird things are happening. There's the baby, there's the breastfeeding, there's the bird getting its head ripped off. There's Ugh. so many things all happening at once that it's just it's you're practically overdosing on horrible <laughs> night nightmare fuel yeah it, it literally and i mean it's and it's like a four or five minute experience and it just feels like it's never going to end and yeah. i don't like it <laughs> we're in big trouble mm-hmm. 
It's uh, mm-hmm. bad news. We're <laughs> oh. in big trouble. But yeah, so I mean, was the family convincing for you? Did they feel like a real family, or do you think it was kind of forced? Um, and and if so, how do you think that that benefited the movie? Um, so I think that the family, the um, what is uh, what's Pyro's name in the movie? Um, Doug. 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 Yeah. So I think I think everyone sort of Doug fits in, uh, and they have their sort of cohesive unit. You know, they've you can tell that they are very connected. The husband and wife are very much in love. They've been together for 25 years. The brother and sister are just like any brother and sister traveling together. You know, when you're home, you can retire to your room and you can be away from your sibling. But when you're on a road trip, it's a fucking nightmare, man. You're just, there's no me time when, when you go on a road trip. So I get the, um, the sort of sibling rivalry and, and kind of being at each other's throats and being irritated with each other. That makes sense. And then even the older sister that is with Doug, you know, she's trying to part wisdom onto the younger sister and say, Hey, I get it. You know, but this is the last family trip we're ever going to have. So she's, she's a little bit more mature and she has figured that out. Like, Hey, this is literally going to be our last family outing. Um, not because we're going to be murdered, but because we're all going to go our separate ways soon. And, that's really where this movie is picking off or picking up is at the beginning is they're starting this new life and they're all eventually going to kind of go their own separate ways. And so for me, it worked. Uh, I could, I could easily picture my family on this road trip and just kind of having fun, but being slightly irritable and, (laughs) uh, and it making sense, you know, the dad being kind of a dick, sort of that NRA, you know, Republican type that picks on, the nerdy guy, you know what I mean? So like, be careful him, Bobby. He's a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the son really bonding with the dad, you know, have looking up to him, having the gun on his hip and everything. Um, it all makes perfect sense to me. So I, it resonated well with me. I could easily see this being my family. I mean, I'm not a gun guy or anything, but I know that when I was a little boy, I really looked up to my father. Uh, we have since gone different paths, but watching this movie i could easily see you know myself in this movie yeah totally uh ted levine was really great in it too and you might remember him as it puts the lotion on the skin yeah uh, he, he's he's been in a lot or or candy cane he's um he's great he's always got that iconic voice but he did a really good job he actually ad-libbed all of his lines in this film did you know oh, really? that yeah I did not know that. yeah pretty pretty awesome so yeah i agree with you i think i think that they were pretty convincing for the most part i still think doug fit in he was kind of that pariah you know son-in-law i didn't like i didn't it wasn't a believable uh relationship that the dad had with him because you could tell he didn't like him but he was very very blatant about it uh i mean i i know that anybody who i've dated if i met their in-laws i mean they usually love me because everyone loves me but uh but if if i have run into a situation where someone didn't like me they don't make it that apparent you just kind of pick up on little things but i mean bob was laying it on thick so i think that was probably the weakest uh part of the family uh realism for me but i I think doug fit in pretty well yeah so like my my ex-wife um her dad was a total fucking douchebag, man. I can't stand <laughs> the man. She didn't like him either, but I mean, he would go out of his way to try and make my life miserable. Well, he, he sucks. He can eat a whole bag of dicks with no yeah. ketchup. I know. And I, <laughs> she used to beg me not to say something. And I'm just like, all right, fine. <laughs> but like, I mean, one t- I was going to take it really far one time and 
and it got it got heated. But I decided to be the bigger man. Good job, man. Fuck. I would love to just call him right now and just say what <laughs> I was going to say and then just hang up. You are not a nice person, sir. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you you said that you were scared when you saw this. What parts uh, or what part kind of scared you and why? Uh, yeah, so there's a lot. Um, I would say uh, everything from the beginning to the end. <laughs> so <when laughs> so they, the entire movie. <laughs> when they get to the gas station, uh, gosh, I... Like, I don't know. I hate that rundown. Yeah, that rundown look. That guy's Marvin from Die Hard 2, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear his voice. I I found it. It's Marvin. (laughs) How about you give me 20 bucks for it? (laughs) Um, So, just the the rundown gas station down the middle of nowhere. I hate that vibe. You know, I told that story where I thought I was going to die once at one of those places. Yeah. And uh, not a fan. And then just uh, when he sees his dog uh, murdered. That, that was pretty horrifying. Um, the whispering in the nighttime, the whole trailer scene when um, the daughter's being attacked. Uh, awful. Just, just awful. And I think the town, like the nuke town, is really, really awful. I, I just, I hate it. I hate everything about it. Because even, even if it were completely safe and there were no mutants there, I would just have this chill that would make my skin crawl as soon as I saw that place. So mm-hmm. I think, and, and like, I've seen uh, like abandoned cars out in the desert before. And when I, when he rolls up on that meteor and sees that I was like, or crater rather, uh, I was like, fuck, I've been there. Not that, <laughs> not that place, but I mean, I've seen something like that before. And I just remember like all the hair on the back of my neck just like stood up. I was like, shit, I hate this movie right now. So, um, so much of it just kind of resonated with my, my growing up in a lot of ways, just random little, you know, fear factors and scares. But, uh, I think ultimately my fear of the homicidal hillbilly, the, uh, H squared is just, uh, too much for me to handle. Like I, I just easily get creeped out by, by homicidal hillbillies. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like the daddy part that scared me probably the most in theaters, because I was not expecting that, and I did not like when he gets in the car and he's just like, "Daddy, yeah." But, uh, oh. And then he hits him so hard he becomes like mentally God. disabled, dude. He's like yeah, on, he's like on that little rickshaw thing, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Can't even like he's on the mine cart and he can't even process what's happening because he got oh. beat up so bad. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, I didn't like that. Did not like the trailer scene. It just like you said, it was so there was so much going on and it was terrifying to watch. Um, then yeah, probably, so lizard with his mouth, like all the close ups on his when he puts ew. the little puts the hat on, like the bonnet, and then he's got this lip thing going on and the blood on his shirt and the breastfeeding. It's just it's just too much. Like all it's that is just much. so scary. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I so I think that definitely terrified me. It, it wasn't something where I mean I, I watched it alone the other night, and it's not something where I was hearing the ice machine, and I was like, "What was that?" But I, I definitely was was very very uh, transfixed on the movie, and just like, "Oh my god, hurry up, get out of there!" You know, anything Doug was pretty much doing when when he him and Beast went to the the mutant town. That's when it really just started going off the rails. And and I was I was very, very involved. But yeah, so um, so this movie doesn't offer a ton of backstory on how the mutant family kind of came to be. 
the little exposition that we do get though is a very creepy montage at the beginning and then some newspaper clippings when bob is trying to find the gas station attendant there's also what's not cyst but the the big headed guy kind of says he's like you know you told our families to leave <gasps> like that guy oh yeah, yeah he's gross he's so gross well but, you think his name was cyst because he's i know right that giant gross head i hate that <laughs> he's probably just like gross head guy but uh does does the mis- the mystery behind these mutants make you want a sequel or maybe like a prequel? Uh, how does it enhance the scary aspect at all? Uh, f- I think the information that we got in the movie was good enough. I liked the little black screen with the words talking about the nuclear testing, uh, which immediately cuts to the people with the little Geiger counter type deals. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then so it explains that this is a highly radiated area. And so to me, that was good enough. And then it cut into the music with the atomic bombs dropping and um, just the little record scratches uh, sort of caught like in time, you know, like in this era, they were they were listening to records in the 50s and their world stopped, you know, so I kind of dug that. And even even the shot, like with the people wearing the hazmat suits and you see their vision through their their helmets. I thought that was really cool with the camera. I dug mm-hmm. that. Um, so for me, I think I got a lot of the story. And you know, Bob was able to figure it all out looking at the the clippings on the on the wall at the gas station. So I think that was good enough. And then I think even going to their little town that uh, their little mm-hmm. minor town that looks like a staged yeah. city to see what the effects would be from a nuclear bomb. So, so much of that just kind of stood out. And I think that for me, I got everything I needed out of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't really need a prequel to this. Uh, I I definitely didn't need a sequel, even though I did see it. I do own it. It was, it was not good. I, I saw it based on the fact that I loved the first one, but I don't need a prequel to this. I don't want to spend any more time with Lizard and Jupiter and Goggle just because I do not like those people. Now, with that being said, when they did uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, so the remake, the prequel to the remake, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, I, re- I really did like that one a lot. I don't know if people necessarily, I don't know critics reviews, but critics hate everything, but I really did like that one a lot. And it was fun to kind of connect the dots. And there's this thing about prequels where you can have all these callbacks. They're like almost fan service moments. And as long as you do them tastefully, I think that they work really well, but I, I agree with you. And I'm, and we've talked to, to nauseam about this, about exposition and stuff. They didn't do a voiceover. They didn't do a big thing. They just kind of gave you those, those flash pieces at the beginning, the, the, the Geiger meters is I think is what they're called. And then, um, yes, the, uh, the clippings. So that, that's all we needed to know. And then we saw how grotesque they were and we kind of put all of that together. We are smart people and yes. Mr. Did our A- detective work. Aja, Mr. Aja, he, he treated us well. Proud Aja of you. Aja. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that, uh, I, it, it enhanced it because it's that idea that we did this to these people because we told them to leave and we still dropped the bombs because we're idiots and we always want to do that. But uh, yeah. And the, and those hills, they got them eyes. So, but mm-hmm. When we are faced with moments of danger or stress, 
you know, our bodies revert to a flight or fight uh, reaction. Doug was pegged to be a flight character from the get go. You could tell he was just this wimpy guy. All he wanted was a cell phone and his beautiful wife. But when push came to shove, he fought and he fought goddamn good. What did you think of Doug's transformation into being the badass hero that he was? How do you think you, Justin, would react in a situation like that? <laughs> um, I So I liked his transformation. Yeah, I do believe that a metamorphosis has taken place. He's ready to kick some ass. It's a beautiful you butterfly. You want to see me kick some ass? <laughs> 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 um, and so I dug it. You know, he... At the beginning, he, you're right, he was 100% a pushover. And uh, I think after he lost everything, uh, he had to just sort of make it work. And he lost his wife. He wasn't going to lose his baby, too. And he kicked some ass. Dude, he was great. Uh, I imagine that uh, you could do that and Rizzo would be beast. Yeah. And you guys would go through with your baseball bat and you would go save. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. I mean, no, I'd yeah. like to think that I would I would handle myself properly in a situation like that, but um I mean you never know till you're till you're there, but I have I have experienced superhuman strength in an emergency situation. <laughs> it is crazy what adrenaline can do to you. Uh like straight up lifting up a bus on a boy kind of thing. And um I mean really I just tripped over something I was so mad I ripped my shirt like Hulk Hogan and it was awesome. And um, it was hot. I was did like, you, yeah, I'm fucking strong. Did you ever see the movie Rocket Man with yeah. uh, French, not French Stewart, but you know who I'm talking about, the guy from, no, nah, man, seven's the number, yeah. <laughs> that guy. So uh, when Captain, uh, the dude from Die Hard 2, the bad guy from Die Hard 2, when the, uh, like, there's something like a spaceship stuck on him or something when they're on the moon, and he says... He's trapped. He's like, call me mommy. And he's like, what? He goes, it's true. You know, there's this fact that if you, it's proven that if uh, a mother sees her child in danger, she can summon like huge superhuman strength. And so he finally calls her mommy and then he lifts it off her or off of him. And he goes, oh, Billy. <laughs> so, fucking, <laughs> so fucking funny. So I just was picturing that as soon as you were saying that you had the superhuman strength. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, it's, it's 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 weird to to think that I mean like you're right we would all like to say that we could do that and when push comes to shove who knows uh, I know that I'm a badass so I would probably take that on I don't know how long I'd survive I don't know if I would survive the onslaught that Pluto has because that was a terrifying part when you know it's breakfast time that uh, that so that jump scare I thought was really good but and I don't really like jump scares that was really good. And just that whole fight scene was so GD intense. What do you think about that fight scene? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I wasn't. Um, it's interesting because once once he was chasing him, I was no longer scared. I think the build up to that was scary mm-hmm. when he was in the house with with the big head guy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> once the chase happened, I wasn't really scared. I was like, oh my god, this is this is it. You know, here's all right. We've still got a lot of movie left. And I think I I was rooting for him, and I think I think by rooting for him, it made it a little less scary. If that, I don't know why that makes sense to me, but it just does. Like I was like I, I had chosen him as the champion, and he was going to come through, and he was going to beat this. And so probably because he didn't have his baby, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was he wasn't like out there investigating the strange noise. He was 
on a mission to get his child. So I think it became more of a, of a Rambo situation than, than him being sort of a victim. Um, yeah. So that it really, worked. it really could have gone either way though. I mean, he could have died. He could have gotten his head cut off and maybe the kids come and save the day. We just don't know. And I think there was a lot of randomness in this movie. So uh, I, I definitely was rooting for him and I was not expecting this, this measly Doug to pull the fast one and stab him through the foot with a screwdriver and then do the whole iconic American flag through the neck sort of thing. That was yeah. pretty intense. So I don't know if I actually thought that he was going to kill them, but I didn't think he was going to die. You know, I, I mean, yeah. for all I knew, I thought he was going to get away. Um, and for the record, Harlan Williams is the comedian that you were referring yes, to. Yes, there and, you uh, go. And the bad guy from Die Hard 2 is, is William Sadler. Also, the yeah, death. death. Yeah. Plays a mean bass. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I'm so glad that, um, you know, there was that scene in the trailer where there's the the pickaxe that gets flipped around. Dude. It, and then when he shoves <laughs> that right in the, in the cyst to Greg Nicotero's face, that's pretty awesome. Because in oh, the trailer, yeah. you don't know who that is that's flipping oh, that. It yeah. just looks horrifying. So that was oh, a really cool so shot. so badass. And that sound that it kind of like... And like he just yeah. flips it and right in the face. Uh, hated the sound effects of that axe in his back where it's like... Yeah. And he's just like twisting it. And that cyst guy is like having a hard time breathing. Uh, so the big headed person, is, is his name is Big Brain. Oh. There we go. <laughs> that was close. Wasn't that smart though. Kind of, kind of a dummy. <laughs> So I really did like how Beauty kind of or Beast got the uh, the comeuppance and was attacking left and right. That was pretty awesome. Beautiful dog. But um, yeah, man, I think that I, I like those transformations and I never saw straw dogs, but I, I get it. <laughs> he and was so, in yeah. straw dogs. Yeah. That's like from uh, like Dustin Hoffman. The Hot Fuzz. Remember the, one of the people in the town. Is from it was in Straw Dogs. <laughs> so oh, it, I don't remember it. that. <laughs> oh, man. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's uh, there was a remake for it too, um, that had Cyclops and James Marsden and yeah, Kate Bosworth. Yeah, Bosworth. Yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, it wasn't as good, but the the whole idea of Straw Dogs the same same exact concept where they're in a remote place. The locals have their way with them, and then they say, "You know what? Fuck this shit!" And then they they go to town, kick some ass. Yeah, I dig Dirk, it, Dirk Diggler style. Kind of like Glass House on the Left, also. Yeah, except yeah. that one, <laughs> they that's like revenge killing. This one is more revenge for you know they took their jobs <laughs> for hire, revenge for hire. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, it. Well, interesting. Okay, so like I, for one, I absolutely loved the revenge killing scenes by Doug, Bobby, and Brenda, just how they set all those up. I thought, I, I've never, I wouldn't even speak on that, but um, they You've were- never taken a booby trap class? No, no. So I was going <laughs> to say- Everyone in the movie so good at making I, booby I, traps. <laughs> what I was going to say is I wanted to address the this, this scene that was very, it was very hard to watch, the rape scene with Brenda, and I've never been a victim of that, and it breaks my heart for that to ever happen to anybody. Um, so for me to sit by as just a guy with a microphone and be like, well, now it's equal. She got her revenge. I, I would never say that. Um, I'm sure that <laughs> this is, this is obviously a movie film, but the whole idea of Bobby and Brenda working together to kill that guy was, was really great. Um, so I don't want to speak on that and say like, oh yeah, she got, you know, 
the, the, the world is right now. Does that make sense? I'm just trying not to be like insensitive because that was a very hard scene to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, because she doesn't even get to kill anyone that yeah. actually attacked her. Exactly. So that's that's kind of what I mean. But not that that would make it any better. But it, exactly. Um, yeah. There's there's no coming back from that. That's a right. that's a wound that's going to take a long long time to heal. Yeah. So but all. but I I do like those revenge scenes and uh, they were they were just satisfying yet so utterly violent. Uh, knowing that all of the characters suffered heavy, heavy prices, I get a sense of redemption for them and and kind of more on what we're going like. Is this is this accurate? Often in horror films, we see our main character experience revenge like this. Can a horror movie be satisfying without the revenge aspect? Can can you get a horror film where all the characters die and you're still satisfied with the movie? Or do you need to see somebody like the last girl or somebody survive or somebody get some sort of revenge? Um, I don't, I don't know if it's the revenge that, that I enjoy so much as, as just the relief that they're safe. I like that comfort feeling at the end that they made it out. There was like this time where all you had to do was make it through the night. And once the sun came up, the movie was over (laughs) and, uh, that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of miss that. But I mean, there was this whole vibe for the longest time when I was a kid watching horror movies that all you had to do was make it through the night. And a lot of this movie has weird shit happening during the day. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. You know, the, 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 there was a, a tagline in the trailer I remember so well, and it was the lucky ones die first. And I thought that was just the scariest thing ever <laughs> i was like holy shit dude no, uh, no, <laughs> that's a like line that. right there that's brilliant and uh, i'll never forget it yeah that was cool i was like shit, yeah man i couldn't wait to see it and and one of the things that i think is worth mentioning is that the original hills have eyes was my favorite scary movie uh prior to watching this then this one became my favorite scary movie interesting i didn't know that yeah Huh. As someone that grew up in the desert. And I actually saw the original when I was about uh, probably eight or nine years old. And uh, I was in third grade. So, yeah, nine, nine years old. And and uh, it left a uh, <laughs> mark. <laughs> Not going to lie. Whew. Some scars on that one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, then when you probably saw the movie Weird Science, you probably were when you saw what Michael Berryman, I think is his name. The, yeah, the um, bald dude. Yeah, he plays Pluto in that. Yeah. And then in Weird Science, he plays one of the bikers. You probably were terrified seeing yeah. him in other movies. He's, he's like, I'd hate to lose my teaching job. <laughs> yeah. like, whoa. So cool. But yeah, yeah man. Um, so w- this is a, a great question that I, I love to have about, about horror films because we've talked, again, to nauseam about, about horror movies and, and classifying the genre. So we found, and I discussed this on our last episode with, for the exorcist, we found this really great, um, horror genres and sh- subgenres uh, graph from horroronscreen.com. So it looks like we have five categories, main categories of horror. We got gore and disturbing psychological killer monster with a sub subgenre of zombies and then paranormal. Um, what out of those five, what category does the Hills have eyes fall in for you and for this? Oh man, that's actually a really good question. Um, so it would be for me, it's like, it's like killer and psychological probably. I mean, I get that it's gore and disturbing too, but mm-hmm. I think 
being hunted has a psychological aspect to it. <laughs> oh, totally. So yeah. I would say I would say that it's more the killer, a psychological killer thriller movie, but um, it's definitely gory and gross. And, you know, the, the whole for me, the the homicidal hillbilly is 100 percent a psychological thing for me because that is my nightmare. I mean, mm-hmm. I went to not scary farm one time and there's all these mazes that you go into. And one of them I went inside and it was this creepy house with parts and jars and blood on the walls and nets and bear traps and just weird shit everywhere. And it was literally my nightmare. I was (laughs) walking through my nightmare and I, I had never been at that point. I had never been so scared in my life. And I I was like 23, 24. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was almost uh, petrified, but at the same time, I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I I was walking. Once I kind of got my bearings, I walked so fast to the exit that I didn't even care what was jumping out at me because I just knew I had to get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. I didn't run. I was just walking really, 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 really fast. And I was like, fuck this. So for me, it is more of a, a killer psychological type of movie. But it is 100% uh, a gory movie. I will not uh, take away from that. Yeah. So this has it listed as under the uh, subgenre of killer and then I guess sub subgenre of bumpkin and redneck. Love it. That's exactly <laughs> and, what it is. Yeah. And, and the other example in there is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I totally agree. But just like you're saying, that can fall into gore and disturbing. And same with psychological. I mean, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're torturing this poor girl making her a guest at dinner, watching them eat body parts and having her dead friend right there. I mean, how effed up is that? It's, it's completely psychological. So while you do get the gore and disturbing, I think you could, you could definitely use all three of those. You could use a little bit of all of these in there, maybe not the paranormal, but I mean, cause they could even be considered monsters too. Right. Cause they're um, mutants. Yeah, I think that the whole, just like you're saying, the wrong turn idea, the bumpkin redneck thing has just become this this mutant. I mean, look at what the cabin in the woods. How I was talking about um, the family that uh, they're the winners, you know, the hillbilly redneck zombies. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that whole trope has just turned into this new thing where I don't know what it is, man. Something about the the, the deliverance style zombies is as soon as a banjo plays, I'm I'm out. I wring my hands and I'm out. But I agree. I think that this is probably fallen under mostly killer and psychological with some gore in there, too. I don't know. The gore was pretty intense. Like getting his face blown off was pretty nasty. Um, the American flag through the neck and the head stuff. Pretty yeah, gross. <laughs> but I mean, even just even just the gore of. Things that you don't even really see, you know, like that rape is happening in the background, the breastfeeding yeah. thing, the um, the the fire, you know, Big Bob oh, getting yeah. lit on fire, eating uh, that the is dogs and stuff. The the dog. Yeah, exactly. You know, just the arms on the ground, the um, blood dripping from faces. It's just there's a lot happening. And and it's it's weird because it's over the top. But as soon as you throw in like. Nuclear radiation, you just kind of buy into it. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it was nuke. 
nuclear radiation. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, sure. Oh. I mean, I gotta wear an apron when I get my X-rays, so I can't imagine if I didn't wear an apron. It worked for Spider Man. Right? I mean, the nice person leaves the room when they go take the picture. Yeah. They're like, I ain't gonna fucking be in here. So it's like, I get it. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Ugh. So, um, yeah. I mean. What letter gate? What letter grade do you give the Hills Have Eyes? Oh man, this is A plus for me, man. I agree. I hundred percent agree. And you, you own it, I assume. I do. You know what's funny is I own the unrated version on the digital video disc, and I, I never got it on Blu-ray because I got it immediately when it came out on video. I loved it so much, and then uh, I went to go and convert it into a digital copy. And I couldn't because when we moved, we put all the DVD cases and threw them away and just put kept the, the discs. Uh, oh, I say the Blu-rays, but the, the, yeah. the DVDs got thrown into like a 300 sleeve binder. I did and I that like, too. Shit. And so I couldn't do the conversion, but it was playing on HBO. So I watched it on HBO. And then just for funsies, like I wanted to watch the trailer for Hills Have Eyes. I go onto YouTube and it says purchased. And I'm like, I didn't buy this fucking movie on YouTube, but it was the unrated <laughs> version, and there it was available to play. I was like, are you serious? So um, I actually watched it twice. I watched it last night, and then I had it on today, because it wasn't the unrated version mm-hmm. on HBO, but that's the one that I own. And I think just putting in the disc, it it somehow magically redeemed itself for a digital copy, because I never would have paid for it. Um you know, from YouTube, that makes no sense. Why would I buy anything on YouTube? Sure. On like voodoo or Amazon or whatever, but I wouldn't pay for a movie on YouTube. So I think there was some sort of automatic, um, redemption thing that took place. And, um, so I watched it on my computer, uh, today, the unrated version. And I think most of it is just longer shots of horrible, um, nothing, Nothing that was a complete game changer. Just one of those things that uh, the the National Association of Rating Movies horribly doesn't want <laughs> to look at, you know, exploded faces for more than half a second. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when you add up all those factors, that's how you get the X rating. So then they they reduce those seconds down. They, they use the edit button, as it were, and then you get your hard R. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I a, a plus man. I own this movie. I own the unrated version. I just like you. I had it on DVD. I'm kind of bummed out now about that whole voodoo thing because I also don't have any of the cases. I threw them all away, which was sad for me. But I mean, I have over 500 DVDs and I didn't want to carry those for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I just keep I keep I keep them all in a giant CD like spinner, like two of them. So, um, but yeah, I, di- I, I did buy that. Um, it is available on HBO max. If you want to watch it, uh, it's, it's a, it's a heavy movie, so don't be eating no pasta or anything while you're watching it. It's, it's one of those crazy ones, but yeah, man. Um, do you have anything else to add on it? Um, I don't think so. I think I've pretty much covered everything that I want to talk about. Yeah, me too. Well, you know, Justin, as always, with that being said, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Uh, If you have an idea for which film we should do next, we're not going to listen to you because we already picked the next two films out and they were Justin's choices, so if they're awful, blame it on him. But... 
for the following shows after October. Please let us know what you think we should watch. Uh, all that we ask for those is please remember to see if they are streaming and readily available so people can watch it. And also, most most importantly, don't be crazy. Uh, also, be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Uh, they just did a really cool two-parter episode about toys. Make sure to check that out. It's really great. And then also the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. Janes. And Justin is on that as well. They talk about video games and all of the geekiness that it ensues. So keep on rocking and rolling, baby. Uh, please remember to go out and vote. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much. You're welcome.